But it's also a great privilege to preach the Word of God this morning and to come before you in faith, um, knowing that uh, this is the living Word and God speaks through it by His Holy Spirit. So I'm going to just jump straight into it. We're going to preach this morning through a passage that you probably, if you've been around church, you would have heard before. Uh, it's not a it's not an uh, uncommon passage, it's a pretty well-known one, and maybe it's a pretty simple message, but I also think it's a pretty powerful message. Um, from Mark chapter 6, we're going to start at verse, uh, verse 30. Uh, the context for this story is Jesus uh, sent out his 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, and he sent them out in kind of like a short-term mission trip, really, and they went out preaching... Uh, healing people, praying with people, casting out demon, demons, and uh, I saw God do incredible things. And they came back to Jesus, and they were um, obviously excited, and they were sharing with him. And that's really the context for this, this passage. Uh, if we read from verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By, the to- by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread to, to give them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute amongst the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. That's a pretty cool story, I reckon. The the story actually starts in a funny place because the disciples come home and they are excited, but they're also exhausted and uh, interesting kind of moment to think about because I reckon this year I don't know whether people are excited but one thing I do know is a lot of people are fairly exhausted coming out of this year it's been a year of being stirred up a year of uh, having to deal with change and um, uh, for a few teachers in the room they're about to hit school holidays they're keen for that for most of us in other jobs they're probably all the same we're uh, we're exhausted we're tired And uh, it's been that kind of a year. Uh, The disciples here are ready for a break. And Jesus recognizes this. And so he calls them and says, well, let's go away. And uh, this isn't really the 
the, the topic of this sermon, but you could do a whole sermon on this verse where Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There's actually a whole sermon there because Jesus, that's actually the gospel. Jesus invites us out of the, the striving to prove how good we are or the striving to be this or the striving to be that or to achieve this or to, to do that. And Jesus actually invites us to come away with him and rest. The gospel invites us into that. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's the invitation of the gospel. It's to stop striving, and salvation is through the blood of Jesus, not through anything we do, not by works, so that no one can boast, and in that rest is where we find uh, the peace in relationship with Jesus. And Jesus, if you have not been away with Jesus to a quiet place, um, you know, Jesus himself, uh, through his ministry, would spend so much time climbing up into the mountains on a regular basis to just spend that time one-on-one -on -one with the Father. And it's interesting how, how Jesus needed that and he did that and committed time to that. But as followers of Jesus, how we often think, I don't really have time for that. The very thing that Jesus prioritized and the Son of God himself both needed and chose is a thing we often feel like we don't have time for or don't, can't make a priority of. Jesus invites us this morning to enter into his rest. But that's not my sermon. Um, my sermon is actually about what happens when Jesus uh, discovers and they get on the boat and they, they travel down the coast, probably from Capernaum, down a bit further to a more wilderness area on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Not a huge distance away, probably only a half an hour boat, boat trip. It's close enough that when the people see that they're leaving, they actually start chasing after them. And so the disciples are exhausted, they're needing a break, they arrive on the shores of this uh, more remote area and they're greeted by a crowd of like thousands of people. And I'm thinking at this moment, they're not thinking, awesome, another ministry opportunity. They're thinking, we need a break, we need a rest. But Jesus, it says, it says they went to a solitary place but it wasn't very solitary. There was a lot of people there. But many who saw them recognized them and ran after them. It says, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And I just want to ask the question, uh, I love the fact that Jesus sees them and he has compassion and he sees them for who they are. They're sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder whether we see people or whether we go about life so busy and so there's so much going on and we go from here to there and we're doing our thing and we've got places to go and we've got people to see and we've got things to get done. Do we see people? One of the things I find in ministry is sometimes when I'm most tired is when God puts someone in front of me. Like it'll be, it'll be like I'll do the night service at Allgate and I'll preach three times and I'll go to my car and it's, it's, I'm tired and I'm, just, and I'm hungry and, I've got to, and then I go, oh, I left my iPad on the lectern. So I kind of sneak back into church. I'm just going to grab my iPad and get out of here. And then I'm sneaking back out of church and someone says, hey, Mark, can I just have a word with you for a minute? And it's just at that moment that someone actually really needs my time and my attention. Do you have the time to see people and to see that they are sheep without a shepherd? When I look around at Australia now and I look around at the people 
all around me, so many people who don't know Jesus. Our country has become a country that are like sheep without a shepherd in so many ways. The one thing that people really need is to know the great shepherd, Jesus. So Jesus sees them and begins to teach them and he's teaching them all day and it's wonderful and the disciples are there, probably getting more and more tired and it gets to the end of the day and finally one of the disciples sort of says, right, we, we gotta, you can almost imagine the conversation, when are we, is he going to stop? What's going on here? It's getting late, it's getting dark, we've got no food. So they go and say to Jesus, look, send the people away and uh, send them back to the towns, send them out of here, it's getting late and Jesus looks at them and he decides this is a teachable moment. He says to them, you give them something to eat. They got nothing. <laughs> he says, you give them something to eat. They say, you know, if we were going we to have to go and buy all this stuff, that's going to be half a year's wages. This is ridiculous. Jesus, what are you talking about? But he says, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? It's a very powerful question. You see, in our lives, it's very easy to focus on what we don't have. It's very easy to look at someone else who's sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you and to think about what they have and what you don't have. They might have greater education. They might have some gifting that you wish you had that you don't have. They might have some resources that you wish that you have. They might have a story that's not as messy as your story. And it's so easy to look at someone else and think, what have I got? Wish I had what they had. I don't, I don't have much to offer. I've got very little. And so you just kind of end up just sitting there doing nothing. Jesus says, what do you actually have? Let's not think about what you don't have. Let's ask the question, what do you have? There's 5,000 people here. What do we have that we can feed these people? So they go away and they come back with five loaves of bread. It's not like they're not giant loaves. They're like tiny little loaves, five of them. There's 5,000 people. It's not very hard maths here. How many little loaves of bread per thousand? One. Did someone say a thousand? No. <laughs> One loaf per thousand people. And a f well, hold on, I can't do the maths on the fish. That's too tricky for me. I was never good at maths. Two fish per 5,000. One fish per 2,500 people. It's ridiculous, right? But here's the thing. This is the thing that they do. They say to Jesus, here, they give it to him. That's the question. What do you have and will you offer it to Jesus? It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter if you're the person who says, I've got no great talent, it you know, or I've got some backstory that makes my life really messy, or, or you know, I, I'm not as biblically knowledgeable, or I'm new to the faith, or I'm older person or whatever it is it's about saying I've got something what I've got Jesus can you do something with it Jesus takes it Jesus takes it and he looks up to heaven and he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it and as they start to hand it out a miracle takes place a miracle of multiplication that suddenly this tiny little bit they give to one person, a tiny little bit to another person, and a tiny little bit to another person. They're, they're just giving it out to these groups of 50 and 100. And then they start to go, oh, gee, we seem to have quite a bit here. We'll start giving out a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then they're like, 
why don't we just give like, why don't you guys have 10 loaves in this group? And why don't you have 10 loaves? Here, why don't you have a few fish? And they just start giving it out. And there's a point where the disciples must have just looked back at Jesus and realized what was going on and just been completely in awe. And I would just love to have seen what Jesus was doing as he watched this food getting handed out. I reckon he would have just possibly just started laughing. Because you guys are just seeing what's going on here. You're just starting to get what's going on here. And they're going, and in the end there's 12 basketfuls, basketfuls, <laughs> 12 basketfuls left over. God often wants to work out of our weakness, not out of our strength. The Apostle Paul was, before he met Jesus, a great man uh, in the world's eyes. He was influential, he was very knowledgeable, he was well regarded, he was probably wealthy, powerful. The first thing Jesus did when he came to faith was Jesus blinded him for a few days to humble him. But then God gave him actually an ongoing challenge in his life. He called it a thorn in his flesh. He said this about it. He said, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. This is no, this is no small thing. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that incredible? It's the dead opposite of the world. God flips everything on its head and said, in weakness there is power because in weakness we, we cast aside that sense of we're going to do it on our own and we recognize it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. Now at a, at a church level, you, you've only got to look around and see the place of the church in Australia right now. And you've only got to look at, at, at around at churches and see the state of most churches. Churches are struggling. Churches are shrinking, churches are aging, mostly. And the place of the church in society, the church has gone from this respected, honourable place at the centre of society, and it's moved out to the fringe. And there's people who want to move it off the fringe. I'm someone who studied um, revivals quite a bit. I'm fascinated by revivals through history when God has done remarkable things like the Welsh Revival and the Great Awakening in America. Do you know what often preceded those revivals? Prayer. And before the prayer, times when people were saying the church is gone. Christianity is gone in this nation. They were saying that in America before the Great Awakening. They were saying it in Wales before the Welsh Revival. And because of that, people were just like, we are so desperate, all we can do is get on our knees and pray. Because we got nothing else. The Gospels doesn't seem to be having an impact. It's like dry ground. It's like trying to plow the Gospel seeds into concrete. And so we get, they got on their knees and they started praying. And in those nations where God seemed to be just not at work and the Gospel seemed to be not bearing fruit, there was revival in those countries. And I'm praying that that revival will happen in this nation as well. And people would say, it's not going to happen. 
I believe if you look at history, it has happened over and over again. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. I'm going to finish by telling a bit of a personal story now about this very thing. When I was about 19, 20 years of age, I'd become a Christian and I was a pretty young Christian. And um, I was struggling. I, I was struggling. I, I, was, uh, I, f- I felt pretty um, pathetic and ashamed and hopeless as a Christian. I was like scared to be a Christian publicly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let anyone know that I was a Christian because I had a lot of fear, I had a lot of whatever. And, so, and, and I was really wrestling with this and I got invited by a friend to, friend to go to a prayer meeting um, at, at someone's house in this kind of um, upper room. Sounds very biblical, the upper room. And uh, we sat around in this circle with these people I'd never met before. We sang a couple of songs and they said, what we want you to do is just sit there and pray. And ask God to speak to you. Now, your experience, that might be a normal thing. In my experience at the time, that was a very un- unusual thing. To imagine that I could just sit there and hear God speak to me. And I was sitting there and I'm like, well God, whatever you want to say, say it. And I'm thinking, how am I going to hear God? How am I going to know? And I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm wrestling with this. And I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe this is a complete waste of time. And why have I come to this place? And After a while, I kind of quietened my soul and began to listen. And I heard God speak to me in that moment in the most profound way that I was able to write down exactly what God said to me. And I don't know what your theology is on God speaking to someone in that way. And you might not think God speaks to someone in that way. Well, if that's the case, I don't really care. Um, Because I heard God speak to me on that day and I believe it was a word he gave to me. Um, God said to me, do not be discouraged, for my power is made perfect in your weakness, and you will do great things for my glory. And I went back to my youth pastor and shared that with her, and she's like, that's from the Bible, that my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm like, no, it's not. That's what I got in prayer. No, no, there's a verse in the Bible. I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) Turned out it was. Um... But God gave me that as an encouragement. And this morning I want to suggest that God wants to give an encouragement to some people here. To say, even though you may be weak, even though you may feel like you have little, God can take what you have. If you are willing to say, God, here it is. Take it, use it, and do what you will. Because God takes our little and in his power does great things things through it amen amen we're going to lead into a time of communion now this passage is interesting because it's got echoes in scripture backwards and forwards i'll try and summarize this really quickly this passage looks backwards because in uh, exodus god led the israelites out of egypt into the desert into the wilderness and in this scripture that i've just read to you jesus led his disciples and the people out of the townships and into the wilderness and when they got there in the israelites discovered that they had no bread and here the people got here and they discovered they've got no bread and in both passages god provides in exodus god is showing his power by providing manna bread from heaven to show that he is the all powerful god and he is the provider and this passage is about revealing Jesus as God in human flesh and his power. God God contained within 
within a human man showing his power to again provide bread. But this passage also looks forward to communion. Because just as Jesus took that bread that they had given him and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus himself, the bread of life, was blessed. He was anointed in Bethany uh, the days just before his arrest. But then he was lifted up and broken and given. And just as the multiplication happened that this little bit of bread fed a whole lot of people, the body of Jesus feeds the whole world. So that every single person who puts their faith in Jesus can be saved. Jesus is the bread of life. And in communion, in the hours before his arrest, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Drink of it, all of you, in remembrance of me. Jesus invites us now to remember that a little bit of bread and a little cup signifies something so great. It signifies a sacrifice that brings us salvation. So we are invited this morning to remember about how small things can become great things, about how God's power is made perfect in weakness and about how Jesus, the bread of life, sustains us in every way and satisfies us. Indeed, he satisfies us enough that there's an abundance, there's a leftover There's stuff that goes out that we can take this gospel, we can take this message, we can take what he's given. There's enough for all of us and there's enough for more. Anyway, I'll stop preaching now. Let me pray and we'll go into communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your provision in our lives. Uh, As we receive communion this morning, I want to ask, I want to let us reflect on your provision in our lives. But also as we receive it, Lord, I pray that every one of us would just reflect on our weakness, but it reflect on your power and how your power is made perfect in weakness. We thank you that you are here with us and moving among us by your Holy Spirit. We pray that you'll continue to move as we receive communion and into the completion of this service and out into our week. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.